0: Have you ever wondered how one decision can change everything for all of humanity? Today, we are diving into Romans chapter five, verses 11 through 21, looking at the negative and universal impact of Adam's sin in our lives, but that's not the end of the story. This passage reveals the astonishing hope that we have in Jesus, the second Adam, who offers us the way to break free from sin's grip through repentance and faith, and that's coming at you now. Well, good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. So glad you have tuned in this morning. God's Resistance is not just passive. God's Resistance is what God is doing. He resists sin, self, the devil, and the world. And we've got to do that in our own lives first. And then we're trying to help spread the leaven of that throughout all of the areas of life around us. And we are doing that offensively, taking back what is rightfully Jesus Christ as he's purchased it with his own blood. But now we're talking about that universal condition of sin that we have found inside of the scriptures, and we can look at it all around us. I mean, let's just talk about this for a second. Look at what's been happening, especially in the last two or three years. Isn't it insane what has been taking place in our culture and in our world, where it looks like wickedness is abounding? I think that when we look at things like that, we realize, where does all this come from? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. It's because of Adam's sin and the fall of mankind that we are now in the predicament that we are in. So we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be reading from verses 11 through 21, and then I want to go back through uh, each verse by verse. So it says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift, excuse me, is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're gonna go back up to verse 11. And from verse 11, we are going to then just kind of go verse by verse here. It says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. So not only so is recapping what was happened or what he had spoke about in the beginning part of Romans chapter five, where he told us that we were reconciled, saved from wrath, and we have access into this grace wherein you and I stand if we've been saved. And then in addition to that, he's saying we have joy in God. Why? Because we've received the atonement which helps us to realize that there are some that receive it and there's some that don't. The ones that receive it have joy, the ones that don't receive it do not have joy. But that is added to it because now what Jesus did on the cross is made mine. It's not just mine by default simply because he died there, but it is made mine because I received it. So moving on to verse 12 there it says wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. It starts first with saying, wherefore, which is like saying, so then. Recapping the fall, he said, the universal condition of mankind being disposed towards sin. We look in Romans chapter three, it talks about that. He's saying, so then, in light of all of this, he says, this one man, Adam, he sins, and now sin has infected God's creation. And, it, and sin is foreign. It was never God's original intent or design. So sin enters and um, infects God's creation. And death is now a result of sin in the world. We die because of the reality of sin in the world. We're not being punished for Adam's sin. Uh, It's not like Adam sinned, and we were all in him, so we sinned in him, and now we're guilty by association, though some people do teach that, and I hope to dispel that idea as we go through this chapter, but it's more like this. Say your father was an alcoholic, okay? He was an alcoholic and a gambler, and as a result of his poor choices, you might be poor, you might have no food on the table, and you may be more disposed towards alcoholism simply because of the life that you had lived. And he did all these things, made all these terrible choices, and I may not be responsible for what my father has done, but I'm going to be affected by it. It's going to change my life. It's going to make me go through some difficult and hard times because of the choice he made. And that is more like what is going on here with Adam, is that Adam made these poor choices. Well, he made the one poor choice, he sinned. And with that being uh, the case, we now have the consequences of his sin that have fallen on us because sin has entered the world. We move on to verse 13, and in verse 13, or excuse me, verse 12, at the end of verse 12, it says, for that all have sinned. We should translate that word for. Um, That word for is found 449 times in the Bible, and I don't mean the English word for, I mean um, the Greek word that is translated for. Out of those 449 times, it is translated on 202 times. Why is that important? The original translators, especially of the King James Version, um, they had a Calvinistic bent because that was part of the Reformation that was there. Now, I'm not just calling into question everything they ever said, but it's helpful for us to know that there is that bias there. So they translated it for when 202 times out of the 449, it is translated on. Now, I realize context plays a part in how things are translated, but we're told here, and now I may be butchering this. I found this in Robertson's word pictures. He's a Greek scholar. He said the original Greek here, meaning uh, saying Ephesians, hoi, pantis, he, himarton. Maybe I didn't pronounce that well. And you can, you can make fun of me if you want to or poke at that. I'm just trying to bring these up here. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm looking into these other men's writings. He says that that Greek phrase which we have translated, especially in the King James Version, as for that all have sinned. He says in the old Greek, it was usually translated or meant on condition that. And he says in the New Testament, it is now because. So it would would be like on condition that all have sinned or because all have sinned. So if we go back and look at um, the last part of verse 12, he says, and so death passed upon all men on condition that all have sinned or because all have sinned. That kind of gives us the idea here. Some people have said that it's because of Adam's sin that this is all passed on us and we all sinned in him. And so they try to twist that around. Now, if you think that's a far stretch as what I just said right there, what about other places in the scripture like when Ezekiel 18:20 where it says the soul that sinneth it shall die the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him sounds like personal responsibility to me now if god would say that about people uh in general in the new test or excuse me in the old testament in Ezekiel chapter 18 how is it then also possible that God would say we sinned in Adam and then therefore by association are guilty of what Adam has done? That doesn't make sense according to these other declarations of God. Also, in the pre- in the previous chapters here of Romans, and specifically Romans 2.6, We read, who will render to every man according to his deeds? Sounds like personal responsibility. And because of what we personally have done, God renders to us according to what we have done, not according to what someone else has done. So that's important for us to realize the scripture has got to be harmonized. And if we find that two things are opposing one another, it's our understanding that needs to be corrected, not the scriptures. So there we have that. And if that weren't enough, If you look at verses uh, 13 through 17, especially in the King James Version, you will find in um, verses—what did I say here? Verses 13 through 17, you are going to find that they are surrounded by parentheses, and those parentheses are important. In other words, it's like explaining what he just said in verse 12— in, in the parentheses area of Romans uh, five thirteen through 17. So we're going to look there. Here's what the apostle means in those parentheses. So let's go to verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So what does this mean? Who has sinned then? for that all have sinned or because all have sinned or on condition that all have sinned, we realize all have sinned since the fall, according to the scriptures here. So sin was not held against the people because there was no law, but that doesn't mean that people weren't sinning. So then let's move on to verse 14. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So if we go now here, it says from Adam to Moses. So from Adam to Moses was about 2,500 years. We're told that death reigned over all as a consequence of Adam's sin. So he introduced sin into the world and we're told elsewhere in the scripture, sin leads to death. But we're told that those people uh, in that time, from Adam to Moses, did not sin after the similitude of Adam. What does that mean? Well, Adam he had a direct command which he disobeyed. Now, between the time of Adam and Moses, there was no direct command that people were disobeying, though there were st- though they were still sinning in the most absolute sense. So he, we're told Adam had a direct command; he sinned against it. Other people were sinning, even though they didn't have a correct command because the law hadn't con- come yet. Nevertheless, people were sinning right after Adam sinned and sin was introduced in the world, people were sinning. That's essentially what it's uh, being told us here. And then he says, who is the figure of him that was to come? So what does that mean? The figure, uh, a lot of wild speculations of things that people have said, but it's simply the point that the apostle is making here is that it is referring to the similarities between them by way of a contrast. So some have made this to mean that Adam is our federal head. He was under covenant with God to represent the entire human race. So what Adam did, we did in him. That's wrong. There's nowhere in the scripture that says that. There's nowhere where we find that Adam was in a special covenant with God and that God said, you're the representative of the entire human race. It simply is just trying to make a contrast between what Adam did and what Christ did and also make similarities. So he is the figure of that one that is to come. Let's move on to verse 15. But not as the offense, So also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So here is where the similarity by contrast is explained. It's not as the offense. So the offense of Adam caused death to reign over all people, um, but the gift and grace of God through Jesus has one man making grace to abound to all. So we find that that one man's choice affects the entire human race. That's essentially what's going on. The other contrast we find there in verse 16, and it says in verse 16 that Adam's sin, causing sin to enter into the world and negatively affect all mankind so that they're bent towards sin, and therefore all people are under judgment of God to condemnation condemnation. This doesn't, however, teach infant damnation. We can look at the the place where David's infant son dies out of that sinful union between him and Bathsheba, and he says, I will go to meet him and he won't come to meet me. So that infant went straight to heaven. Jesus, however, we're told, gave the free gift and he swallows up all the sins of mankind in the world to justification. And this doesn't mean universalism. It doesn't mean that all are saved simply because Jesus died. The next verse helps us to understand that. So if we look now at verse 17, we realize that death reigned by one man's offense. And those that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. So death originally had reigned because of Adam's sin, but now we can overcome death when we're otherwise headed towards until we repent and believe on Jesus Christ. So there's a condition here. Those that receive abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness, that undoes what Adam has done. So the sum of all this parentheses, verses 13 through 18 or 13 through 17 is, the effects of Adam's sin is more... Than undone by Jesus to those that repent and believe or receive abundance of grace and righteousness. So all have sinned and they're all going to bear their personal responsibility. But now we move up to verse 18, which you could read directly from verse 12, skip the middle chunk and go to verse 18 to get his complete thought there. But it says here that if all sinned in Adam, then well, it says, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So if all sinned in Adam, then all are righteous now that Christ died. And we understand that that, that to be a dangerous doctrine. The point is how one man's choices can affect the entire human race. Everyone has personal responsibility. I hope you understand that. If, if we're saying that in, in Adam, um, we all sinned, then it should be then in Christ, we're all righteous, full stop. There's nothing that we have to do about it, but we realize that's not the case. Moving on to verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Why were we made sinners? Because of being kicked out of the garden and being deprived of God's Spirit, all our being is marred and depraved without the Spirit of God in us. And so that deprivation of the Spirit can be remedied through Christ by repentance, faith, and continual surrender to the indwelling Christ. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that sin, or excuse me, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, where there was no sin, or where, where there was no law, sin wasn't held against people. But he says that the law entered that people might see their sins clearly. So, sin uh, abounds before everybody now when the law enters, and what is to be done about this universal condition where the the human race is bent towards sin and has uh, depravity that's come over their entire person. We realize grace through the death and resurrection of Christ abounds much more wherever sin abounded. And then verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the moral effects of Adam's sin can be remedied through Christ now, praise God. The physical troubles that do not hold that kind of moral quality, uh, they're gonna be remedied at the end through the glorification of our bodies. So we realize a whole um, different kind of a picture when we read through this. So my dear friends, Let's shift our focus from dwelling on the damage caused by Adam's sin to embracing the mightier power of Jesus Christ. Instead of being overwhelmed by the effects of what Adam did, let's trust in Jesus, the one who brings victory, freedom, and forgiveness. Through repentance and unwavering faith in him, we invite his indwelling spirit to work in us, empowering us to live holy lives. So let's put our confidence in the one who conquered sin and death and experience the transformative work that he can do within us. Thanks for joining me. Let's step out in faith and believe in the mighty power of Christ.